to another episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. It's a podcast for feminists who believe that being a woman is neither a moral failing nor a medical condition, and if you're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and yet somehow still worried you're not doing enough, we are here to help with that. Today we're going to talk about a tool that I use to help me deal with all of the, ah, you know, and that is dream analysis. People ask us about dream analysis a lot. Because we talk about sleep, and Emily talks about sleep in particular, and people have a lot of questions about sleep and feelings about sleep, and one of the feelings they have about sleep is their dreams. Dreams happen. People really have a lot of feelings about sleep. I did not know until we started teaching about sleep together. Yeah. And people had a lot of feelings about their dreams and a lot of very strong opinions and a lot of identification of like, I dream a lot or I never dream. Yeah. And to be clear, everyone dreams every yeah. night. It's just a question of whether or not you remember it, which mostly has to do with whether or not you wake up during a dream. Right. So do you want to talk about, like, neurologically what exactly dreams are as far as brain scientists can observe? Uh, sure. I'm, a very superficial description. Okay. So neurologically speaking, very superficial description. There are two categories of dreams that happen during two different types of sleep. What we usually think of as dreaming are REM dreams. This is rapid eye movement phase of sleep when your body is paralyzed and the only thing that's moving is your eyes are twitching underneath your usually closed eyelids. And this is hyper-associative dreaming where your brain, this is the dreaming actually that completes stress response cycles. So everything you've experienced during the day gets integrated into everything you have ever experienced in the past. So you may have nightmares during this time because your brain is running through the worst case scenarios of life, which helps prepare you for like what's... All right. Let's not go into like like what we think our brain... I just wanted to ask like what's actually... Like if you're a brain scientist, what are you looking at a brain doing? Not what's the experience of dreaming like, but like what's actually happening? There's waves of activation that... I mean, if you think of like an ocean wave... Mm -hmm. That wave of energy is moving across the cortex. Yeah. And is it happening? Uh, when they measure it, uh, the reason it's called rapid eye movement, the way it shows up on a machine is as it almost looks like waking. Like there's this really high energy, rapid activation that's going on in the brain. You look almost awake. So firing of neurons, releases of hormones, neurotransmitters. There's a lot. Go yeah. Yeah. Lots and lots of brain activity stuff happening. And it seems to be not in response to outside stimuli so much as just kind of coming from itself. Well, there are aspects of dreams that are influenced by your external circumstances. Sure. There's not a lot of research on this sort mm -hmm. of thing. But for example, you're more likely to dream of your teeth falling out when you're cold. Oh, that's interesting. Well, is it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> people have, heard that. they put a lot of like meaning into teeth falling out. Yes. Yeah, people people have feelings about teeth falling out dreams because it's distressing when you remember it consciously. Sure. And yeah, um, yeah. we're going to talk about how people feel about their dreams. Yeah, kind of closer to the end. But I just want to establish first what we know for a fact. What objectively happens that causes us to dream? We're in a phase of sleep that our brain activity is very much like waking. It seems to be sort of random firing of neurons and release of neurotransmitters. That causes us to experience things that are sort of like experiencing them when we're awake. Right. And in general, neuroscientists think that different kinds of dreams, different phases of dreaming help us review events that happened like that day or from previous in your life. 
practicing what you did that day and kind of just your brain dealing with itself happens during dream. Yeah, REM dreaming in particular is about the integration. So memory, long-term memory storage happens mm -hmm. through the process of REM dreaming. Yeah. And non-REM sleep, which is just sort of like light sleep and deep sleep, is your brain rehearsing the things you learn. So this is more motor skills yeah. and memorization, mm -hmm. more explicit learning as opposed to the implicit learning of like emotional learning that happens during REM dreaming. The classic example of that is the Tetris studies where people who play Tetris for hours and hours a day dream about Tetris and they wake up the next day and they're... Right. As you're falling asleep, you see Tetris games in front of your eyes. Yeah. That's early dream state sleep. And you yeah. wake up and the next day you're a little bit better at Tetris. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's objectively, scientifically, as far as we can measure what's actually happening. Dream analysis is older than neuroscience, and there are a lot of different perspectives. I can't address them all, because honestly, there are as many perspectives on dream analysis as there are people who do dream analysis. Everybody's got their own perspective. But in general, there are perspectives that say that dreams are stories with morals, that stories are about solving problems that the things in your dreams are symbols and the dreams themselves are kind of allegories. And some people think that those symbols are archetypes, are part of the collective unconscious, as Jung described, where we all dream of like a thing and it represents a symbol that's universal across all humanity because we all exist as humans. Therefore, we all share some collective subconscious. There's also lucid dreaming. People say it's like fun to control, to realize that you're dreaming, know you're in a dream, and then like live out a fantasy of flying or breathing underwater or whatever. Yeah. Have you ever done lucid dreaming? No, I'm not motivated enough. Yeah. I'm curious about it, but I don't think I want to do it. Because for me, the way dreams work is um, the dreams that I think people want to do lucid dreaming because they want to be in control of what happens in their dream. And I want my dreams to show me something. And especially dreams that frustrate me or scare me. Those are the most helpful dreams because like in a dream you're you're stuck you have to confront whatever the uncomfortable stuff is and like in real life it's easy to turn away from the dis discomfort you know troubling thoughts or disturbing feelings like you can just be like no i'm not gonna right now but when you're in a dream like you're sort of in it's like enforced reflection and i i sort of appreciate that about my dreams i don't want to be in control I want, I want to let my dreams tell me what matters so people ask us about dreams i think when people have asked us about dreams, it's because they find them inconvenient or disturbing or like they that make their sleep less restful. Is that uh, is that true? If you have intense dreams, do you have lower quality sleep? No. Well, that's great news. <laughs> it is the case that dread of sleep because of nightmares can disrupt falling asleep, for mm -hmm. example. But so the moment about that I really began to understand, people have very such strong feelings about dreaming that it disrupts their sleep is when we were doing that workshop at that social media company. Yeah. And I think the last question someone asked was about dreaming. Yeah. And I gave like the nerdy sciencey answer, yeah. dreams are a multi-sensory deep hallucination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like, no, you are so lucky mm -hmm. <laughs> to have these nightmares because they're teaching you so much. And I was like, oh, that's what people need to hear about dreams. They don't need to hear that it's a multi-sensory hallucination. That doesn't help them Some at all. Some <laughs> people do just need to know, like, dreams are normal. So, like, you don't have to be disturbed by them because it's just normal. Everyone has dreams like that. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're missing out on quality sleep. It just means that you're a human. Some people do need to know that sciencey stuff. But I do think that dreams are an opportunity 
that's yeah, she was clearly not helped by me when I said yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's why I added the thing I did because I could see her just being like, no, like nah. yeah. Yeah, I tried doing like the Matt Walker REM sleep is your brain saying, where am I going to keep all of this stuff I've decided to keep in my brain? Yeah. Where am I going to put it? Where does it go? Yeah, which is a helpful thing to know for a lot of people. But if you're if you are disturbed by what you're dreaming, you me might need some more more than that. Right. Emotionally, you feel like, but I, why did I decide to keep this? Why did I decide this was a memory I wanted to? Why? Exactly. What? No, I don't want to keep it. Get rid of it. Right. And you offered a reframing that was like, here's what's a gift about your brain choosing to store this Right. Stuff. And the reason I could offer that is because I had that offered to me at one point by my therapist in Connecticut, who was sort of Jungian flavored, Jungian scented, Jungian leaning therapist um so we did dream analysis and what i learned is that dreams are like art and they mean what you think they mean that's really what it means in the end but um i did learn a very specific kind of dream analysis which is not the only kind of dream analysis it's not the best kind it's the kind i learned and i, I made it work for me so i'm gonna explain step by step what that is ready mm -hmm. okay i asked my subconscious a question before i go to bed so following the kind of elephant and rider paradigm that Jonathan Haidt talks about in Happiness Hypothesis, that I'm the writer, my conscious self, and the elephant is my subconscious. I like, And my goal in dream analysis is to learn from my elephant, to hear what it has to say. Because as we know, I am not super great at perceiving my own <laughs> internal experience. So dream analysis has been a really fantastic way to communicate more explicitly with the, you know, with the elephant. So what do I do? I ask my subconscious a question, and, uh, and then I go to bed, and I sleep. So one example of a dream I had when I asked a question was I, I was first diagnosed with acid reflux, like back in October, November, following several months of my digestion being like super fucked up. And I asked my brain, I said like, okay, brain, hey, elephant, what's going on in there? And like, I've done this a lot, so I don't have to be super specific. My brain knows like what I'm asking. And then I wake up from a dream and I write it down in the present tense. And that's actually pretty important to do. So here's the dream I had when I asked this question and how I write it down. I'm working in an office building. It's a skyscraper and it's a Google office. I get out of the elevator and into the hallway and it looks normal, but then I go into an office kind of in the central shaft of the building of the skyscraper. And the floor is made up of just crisscrossing planks, like one by sixes. And uh, you have to navigate the planks in order to get to like workstations, computers, desks. And on the floors below us, we can hear that some of the planks are falling out of place and people are falling to their deaths. And we know eventually the planks that we are on are also going to fail. But we're standing there working because that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, hey, should we be worried about this? And everyone is like, nope, this is just how it is. <laughs> and we can hear people like below us, floor by floor, planks collapsing, people falling. And then our floor collapses and I fall. And this is all the central shaft of a tall building. Yes, exactly. I fall and I wake up. So, so that's awful and horrifying and it was a really disturbing dream i woke up like deeply disturbed so i write it down but i mean it's such a nice clear metaphor it's so nice and clear right like my subconscious has learned to communicate with me like so it takes a little training but like it's it's very clear so i write it down and and i reflect on it bearing in mind the idea in Jungian dream analysis that everything in the dream is you a part of you which um is hard to wrap your mind around at first because it's disturbing to think that, you know, when you have a nightmare, that means there's nightmarish stuff in you. And that sounds terrible, but it's just standard. Like we all have 
nightmarish stuff in us. We also have beautiful so stuff in us. So can I, yeah. bearing that in mind and being not the person who had this dream or uses this process, all the parts of the dream are you. So that means the building is you. Mm-hmm. And you are you. Uh-huh. And all the falling apart planks are you. Yep. And the people who are like, no, no, we're not worried about that. That's also you. The people who are falling to their death are also you. Parts of me, yeah. They're all you. Yeah. So in this dream... And my sense is that the the central shaft of the tall building, that's your digestive system. No kidding. <laughs> okay, good. Because there are probably some people who were like, no kidding. But other people who are now like, oh, I get it. Yeah, the tall building is Amelia. What, this is actually a Jungian archetype that a building, when you dream about a building, that's an archetypal representation of the self. Even like physically the bodily self. So like things that happen higher up are happening closer to your brain. Things that happen lower down are happening physically lower down in your body. And I had this information and I started having more dreams about houses with floors. We're going to get to the idea that you can train your brain to dream more clearly for you. So anyway, so I have this... Uh, symbol of this high building and dreaming that things are happening low down that are gradually affecting the things that are high up and so I reflect that I'm in the dream pretty high up in this building and all the stuff below it is like falling to shit (laughs) so it's immediately clear of course as it was to you it's clear that the problems are coming from somewhere like deep down and uh, my brain is telling me there's something fucked up in my lower body and uh, everything above it is you know being is falling apart because of that and um, all those people like who ignored it, like those are those are aspects of me. Those that's me running around doing the things that you gotta do because that's what you do. And I that's exactly what I've been doing for like the past several months before I had this dream. And um, so I told my current therapist this dream. She is not a Jungian flavored therapist. She treats dreams more literally, and it's her sort of perspective that like. You and I had just done some work and that the dream was a manifestation of my worry about corporate irresponsibility and corporate practices that are questionable, large-scale corruption, which is a thing that does bother me. And I do believe that some people probably dream this way, where there are external problems that they try to wrap their minds around and their dreams help them organize it. But, I mean... I took the dream to her knowing that she's not a Jungian analyst and like, why did I do? So I took the dream. I went back to my elephant and I said, hey, elephant, is that dream about inside me or outside me? And I don't remember what the dream was that answered that question because I didn't write it down. Because as soon as I woke up, it was like instantly clear that dream was telling me the collapsing building dream. That was about you and your body. Like whatever it was, it was extremely clear to me. Like I didn't even write it down. I was going to say, the question that you asked your elephant before you went to bed was, what's going on down there? Right. And the whole dream was about you being like, what's going on down there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So my brain, you know, we've, I've practiced this, me and my elephant, and we've gotten better at it. It just takes a little bit of training. But I think I took this one to my therapist because it was so fucked up. Like, it was really disturbing and horrifying to dream. Like, people dying all around me. Like, it was like I woke up really freaked out and so I think that I didn't want to turn toward it because it was really uncomfortable and I needed to like have my therapist in kind of an enforced way be like and now let's turn toward this so I'm sure dreams work in a variety of ways for people but I have I've definitely trained my dreams to, to communicate with me like this and a month later I was diagnosed with endometriosis 
which was causing bloating so severe that it was pushing stomach acid up my esophagus, damaging my vocal cords, making it hard to sing. So like, not literally Google, like literally from the bottom up, there was something that was destroying right. me. Your brain piece piece. chose Google because we had just been there doing that work. Yeah. And because it was a great symbol, a great, like my brain already had a forma for a data collection and an organization body, a, a thing that would that would examine and then organize data. Google was a great frame for that, and it already had a representation of it and like a neuroelectrical chemical representation for something that did that job. And it chose Google because that that's what it already knew. Uh, and then it just kind of went from there and like made it a bottom up story. And um, I think that knowing that. It's that metaphor, it's that symbol, it's a story to tell me what's going on inside me, makes it feel less horrifying. It because it's it's less about the dying people and more about my my body had to tell a story that would that would get my attention, that would let me know how drastic the situation was. Cause you know, when you have the dream, it's people are dying and that feels terrible and scary. But when you know, like, oh, it's a metaphor in my, it's, you know, it's a story that my body needed to communicate with me, it doesn't hurt as much in my experience. So the next step is supposed to be to give the dream a title and then to, like, write a tagline, like, might go on the poster if it was a movie. Um, I usually don't do that step because by now I usually get the point by the time I, I, like, I write the reflection and then I'm like, oh, I got it. I don't need to, like, do that next step. But that is officially what you're supposed to do, to do a title and a tagline. And that's how I learned to do dream analysis. I mean, it helps. It really, really helps. Yeah. So you, so this person who asked, which to be clear, these are not the same. I know we're talking about, we went to the social media organization and also we went to Google. The person who asked this question was not a person at Google. It was unrelated. But somebody asked asked about dreaming and nightmares. And I was like, multi-sensory intensive hallucination. And you were like, what a gift. Your subconscious, the elephant, is telling you what you need to know, and if you can turn toward it with patience, kindness, and compassion, without being afraid of it, but with curiosity and being interested in learning what it has to say, then you can learn so much. Yeah. And I know this because my Jungian-flavored therapist once asked me, do you have intense dreams? And I was like, yes. And she was like, what a gift. And I was like, excuse me? Because I had just had a nightmare about three unicorns running with each other a mama a daddy and a baby unicorn and the baby unicorn caught on fire and burned to death oh my god uh, yeah and i was like you're telling me that's a fucking gift and uh yeah that that dream was a fucking gift it was about transformation oh fuck yeah. that <laughs> i know but like the experience of it is horrifying you wake up just miserable and it's it's horrible it's like someone's hurting you and you wake up and you think, oh, my God, that's inside me and that horrible experience to have. And um, and then you reflect on what it actually means, the change that is inherent in whatever's happening that your mind wants to tell you about. And that change is not bad, even if it is painful. It doesn't have to be bad. Yeah. Dream analysis. It's a gift. Well, there are like dream dictionaries that uh i have one in front of me that talk about what symbols mean like if you dream about a unicorn that means you're dreaming about x or y or z and they have very like clear relationships between items and their symbolism unicorn is not in my dictionary no 
tooth is, tooth falling out means death of a relative or a friend. Yeah, see, I, I think that your brain is your brain. With a footnote, it is remarkable that this interpretation is the same in all keys of dreams. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This Reading this book, okay, so this is a book published in 1939. It's called The Encyclopedia of Occult Sciences. Wow. And when I read it, I think, man, I wish I could write a book where I can just make yeah. some shit up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I tie myself so rigidly to something that I can prove. Yeah. And they just get to just make some shit yeah. up. Yeah. And Jung was all about, like, symbols and dreams. And he did believe in the collective unconscious. So, like, for example, I had a dream about I was driving on the highway uh, in Wilmington, Delaware, where we grew up, the first highway I learned to drive on. And um, I was driving Barack Obama somewhere is when he was president. And we flew off the highway and landed on another building, me and Barack Obama. And apparently dreaming about the president of whoever's like the leader of your country is a Jungian archetypal symbol about a leadership figure, like your own sort of superego self leadership aspect. So not literally Barack Obama, but like any leader. So like there's like a common theme, but it's not like an, an immediate symbol. Like the highway means this, the building means this, the car means this, but it's your relationship to the things that really matters in the perspective that I learned. Yeah, my thing is published in 1939, so neither Highway nor Barack Obama show up in my dictionary. Even Leader doesn't show yeah. up in my dictionary. Yeah, they were not really, that was, that's not a super Jungian text that you have there. It is not. <laughs> it's an encyclopedia of occult science. Yeah, and I'm not claiming that Jung's right about everything. Have you ever dreamt of a turtle dove? Because that's in here. I, not the, I don't think I'd even know a turtle dove if I saw one in my dream. Me so I don't think my brain has a forma for turtle dove. How about a weathercock? <laughs> Definitely, I've dreamt about weathercocks for sure. <laughs> Is that really in there? To be te teeth show up in in many. So teeth uh, falling out means one thing. Teeth growing is pregnancy. A white tooth means success, and a bad tooth means illness. Well, because we so. all know that white things mean success. <laughs> oh thunder! <laughs> yeah. So the other night I had a dream where. We were at like a hotel that was sort of like a campground and my bed was under the window and your bed was across the room and there was a little bug in the room and you were like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then there was like a big bug in the room, like a, a praying mantis, like the size of a, of a 20 pound dog. Like a, no. Yeah. And it was on your bed and you were like, what? whatever. It was like laying there the way Lucy lays on a thing. And I was like, D dude, it's, a, it's on your bed. And then it was on and you were like, whatever. And you went away. And then it was on my bed, but it was like kind of wrapped in a shawl so I couldn't see all of it so I was sort of okay with it and I was like I was feeling really anxious but I was calming down like okay I can handle this and then I realized oh wait no it's still a fucking praying mantis under there and I smushed it with my flip-flop but because it was so big my flip-flop only smushed half of it and I was like bring me a shoe bring me a shoe and like you come running like why do you need a shoe and I'm like I need to kill the other half of this praying mantis and you're like you only killed it because it's not like you that's racist and then I woke up. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you I, are you, you are me, you are the bug, you are the bed. Yeah. What does that mean? I, I, I have not come to any conclusions. But like... So what part of you was I representing? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Because I have, I do have a phobia of bugs and particularly large bugs. 
with faces. Yes. Like praying mantises and locusts, that kind of stuff. Really hate them a lot. Yes, because they are profoundly, objectively, deeply terrifying. <laughs> That's not up for yeah. debate. No, and I've been, like, for years, I've been struggling with, like, what does the bug represent to me? Is it alienness? Is it in unpredictability? Is it, like, I, I have not come to a conclusion. I've been, I don't know. I don't know. But when I start to have bug dreams, I know that there's something, like, deep and dark that my brain's like, hey, you might want to start paying attention again. So that's why I've been doing, like, more active dream analysis the past couple of weeks, which is why it came up when you were like, hey, what should we talk about this week? And I was like, dreams. But should we not take this opportunity to, like, think through more concretely and specifically what your bug dream meant? No, I've been working on this for literally 15 years, and uh, we're not going to reach a conclusion today. Oh, okay. Like, there's something protecting whatever the bug fear is, and I have not dealt with that protective force yet. Okay. So the reason you haven't made progress is because your brain's like, no. Yeah, that's too dark. You're not ready for that. I'm like, I got to convince my brain I'm totally ready. But sometimes I, I think I'm ready. Like, I can feel that there's something deep and dark. So I tell my dreams, all right, just tell me. And then I have a horrifying nightmare. And I'm like, I asked for that. Yep. I, I totally asked for that. Maybe let's take it slower. So it takes some practice. <laughs> so, okay. So we're not going to go no. deep into no. the... But, I mean, you know, keeping track of dreams is very helpful. And over the long haul, like I've been doing it, like you start to... You do start to learn symbols that represent the same thing because they come back over and over again. That's how I found my mad woman. Is she kept showing up in my dreams. Oh... And has since I was mm, as young as I can remember. I mean, toddler. Can you just, uh, for people who may not remember what your mad woman is, explain it. Um, my mad woman is an image and a sensation. The image is of two, like, wiggling balls of, like, black sketchy lines. And they're kind of throbbing and pulsing. It's a giant one and a little tiny one. And I, my perspective is from the little tiny one looking at the giant one. And the giant one... So that's the visualization. And then there's a sensation of kind of looming threat and um, the, the feeling of being in a dolly zoom, like that Hitchcock trick where you zoom in but pull the camera back at the same time. So the like the face in the frame stays the same size, but the background feels like it's moving and it's sort of this vertiginous discomfort. So it's the image and the sensation of, of vertigo pulling at the same time. And I recognize that when I have those moments of like, mad woman recognizing the chasm between me and the person the world expects me to be like you're a failure you'll never be any good like those mad woman thoughts i have that same vertiginous sensation and sometimes i even get a flash of the image of the two wiggly balls that's so interesting because i have a similar image sensation from as early as i can remember uh, it's basically like a black and white checkerboard ground with a black background or sky and there's a, a blob of pudding, which I guess might be poop, but in my memory, it's a blob of pudding. <laughs> and there's a hangman's noose, you know, on like a wooden wow, uh, stand, like that T-shaped stand when you draw a hangman yeah. to play the game. Yeah. It's one of those with a rope dangling from it with a smaller poop uh, <laughs> swinging in a circle around the, the bigger pudding. Wow. Is there a sensation that goes along with it or do you have feelings about it or is it just... Well, I'm watching it from the outside, so I'm not inside of any of the motion. Yeah. But it, it has a similar sort of dolly zoom feeling. And I I think that part of the dolly zoom feeling is just, it's like falling dreams. That's just part of 
the neurological right. shift into or out of a dream state. Yeah. You, you might experience a falling sensation. Yeah. It's uh, If it happens when you're partly awake, it can be a, halu- a literal hallucination. Oh, yeah. So I, th- I think that that's sort of a byproduct of the fact that it's at the edge of a dreaming yeah. state. But it comes back to me, the sensation and even the image come back to me in moments that are mad woman moments for me. And I, I only came to this kind of discovery that this is a mad woman thing because I was doing dream analysis and because I had this recurring dream my whole life. And my Jungian flavored therapist was like, well, let's talk about that shit. And, um, you know, I sort of, it sort of feels like the big one is the thing that the world expects me to be. And I'm the little one or possibly more like a, like a, a breaking away of, of, of ego from super ego or maybe id from ego of like my the elephant and me sort of pulling each other and pulling away from each other at the same time yeah so dream analysis your dreams are a gift even if they horrify you even if you dream horrible nightmarish awful things it really sucks it's very unpleasant but the way to take the power away from that discomfort is to turn toward it with kindness and compassion oh my god it's like every single time that's the answer so you wake up from a dream you turn on a light you write it down in first in present present tense and you might give it a title you might give it like a quick summary or a tagline tagline but the most important thing to bear in mind is that you are everything in your dream not all schools of thought support this but the thing i have found most helpful is to recognize i am the monster i am the water i am the i am the house i am the maze i am the mouse i am the cheese i'm everything in my dream I have a lot of buildings in my dreams. I have a lot of exploration yeah. of rooms that disappear. Yeah. yeah. Jung would say that's a that's a representation of yourself, your identity, or possibly your physical body. I'm exploring myself and losing. I can't get to where I wanted to go because it moved. Yeah. Now you got to think about what your relationship is with that thing. What did you want it for? What was it? What did it represent? What was it for anyway? Yeah. yeah that's different with every dream. That's a lot of hard work. It, it, it is work. But damn, it's helpful. Like my dream where I was like, that's definitely something in my body that's causing everything else in my body, a chain reaction to fall apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kept me motivated to like keep doctor's appointments and go get my tests done and stuff that I hate doing because going to the doctor sucks. Good, because you needed that. I did. I needed it. And like, you know, my brain was like, this is fucked up in here. And I was like, oh, okay. So it sounds like, so we did a whole episode on uh, your body will tell you. Yeah. How do you know what your body's trying to tell you? And somebody like me, like I, I, I cannot help hearing what my body says. Yeah. But for someone like you, for whom it's more of a struggle, it takes more of a deliberate effort. Yeah. Dream interpretation in particular can be a powerful gateway down to your body's messages because it literally just is your brain processing every sensation that happened to you that day, whether you're aware of it happening or not. And that's the real gift of it. It's it's like, here's everything that happened, even the stuff that you ignored at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. So if you're a person who does remember, if you're a person who does not remember their dreams, that just means you don't wake up out of REM. And let's be clear, I'm going to do a cartoon example of how sleep works. The first half of your night's sleep is really about deep sleep. Uh, the sort of like slow wave, restorative conked out sleeping like a log kind of sleep the second half of your night's sleep is REM dreaming sleep 
where you are paralyzed, but your brain is super active and does. So you get different kinds of memory processing during the different phases of sleep. That's why it's so important that you get enough of it. Because if you only get some of it, you have a drive, not just a generic sleep drive. It's sort of like macronutrients for food. Like you're not just generically hungry. Mm -hmm. You need protein Mm -hmm. and you need fat and you need carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. In the same way, you need deep sleep, you need light sleep, and you need REM. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get enough REM sleep, your brain will starve for REM sleep. Mm -hmm. And so even though the first half of the night sleep is supposed to be about deep sleep, if you're starved for REM, your brain will just like pull you right into REM sleep. So if you find yourself having intense dreams early in the night, you're probably REM deprived. Mm -hmm. Does that make, is that a helpful piece of information for people? Um, Yeah. I mean, because people definitely have negative feelings about their dreams and knowing that it's normal and that if they're, the quantity or timing of their dreams changes or intensity of their dreams changes, I mean, that's just their body doing what it's got to do. Yeah, it's one of the glorious things about sleep is that your body will take the sleep that it needs. It will steal sleep. It will cheat. And one of the ways it does that is by dragging you into REM sleep early in the night when you're REM deprived and by giving you more deep sleep and skipping REM sleep when you are deep sleep deprived. Yeah. And if you wake up not remembering what you're, you know, you had a dream, but you don't remember it, you can train yourself to get better at remembering. And really that happens just by writing down whatever you remember as soon as you wake up. And then like everything you learn, your brain can adapt and it will learn to remember them better. Do you have tips for uh, writing things down? Does it mean having a little notebook by your bedside? Does it mean speaking it out loud? I keep a little notebook by the bedside. Yeah. And a little light. It matters more for me that I think it through first. And then even if I go back to sleep, I'll be able to remember it. If I just find one thing I can remember, like last night, I had a dream where Lucy ran away twice. And if I just remember that the that Lucy was in the dream, then that brings back, it's called contact or, or trace something theory. Shit. I don't remember the thing, what it's called. Anyway, contact trace theory. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm thinking of. I think you're being confused with COVID. COVID. No, there's, there's a, well, I'm, now I need to look it up because I know that it's a thing and it has the word trace in it. Multiple trace theory. It's multiple trace theory. Like it's that sensation of you remember one thing and then it all comes back. You walk into a room that smells like freshly baked bread and all of a sudden you're three years old again, right? Because one thing creates a, one stimulus creates a cascade of, of neural events that bring back memories of other things associated with that original event. Multiple trace theory. Anyway, if I can just remember Lucy was in the dream, then I can remember the whole dream later on. And that's because you have that's practice. That's because I have practice. See, I, I can't do that yeah, at all. Yeah, that's because I have a practice. Um, but yeah, a little light and a little notebook to write it down. A lot of times I can barely even read the handwriting when I actually go back to look at what the dream was. Mm-hmm. But mostly when I have these dreams, I have them first thing in the morning. It's the last dream I have. It's long. It's intense. And it wakes me up. And I'm, I'm awake for the day after that. That's mostly how it happens. So we have not done the thing that I think some people will expect, which is a list of symbols. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, I just don't have any faith in those. And there is no reason to. There are a lot of like dream dictionaries of if you dream of blah, it means this. I'm in particular looking at a list of like dreaming of certain things mean uh, 
health issues with specific organs, dreams of excessive fatigue, pain in the kidneys as a sign of bad functioning of the kidneys, and canals are overfull. The dream that one is swimming with difficulty and is in danger of drowning is a sign of bad function of the kidneys. Dreams of song, festivities, music, and pleasure, sign of bad functioning of the spleen. Repletion of the canals. Yeah. Starting from it. No. Dream of dangers, battle, dispute, meals, sign of bad functioning of the spleen, and inanition. Yeah. Okay. Streams of inexplicable forest, sign of bad functioning of the liver. Really? Okay. I mean, sure. I, we'll talk about this when we do the next COVID update, but I had like liver disease. My liver was failing in August, and I did not have any dreams about forests. Inexplicable forests, steep mountains, trees. Nope. Dreams of grass, lawns, bushes, and fields. Nope. No. No? Alrighty then. Uh, there's also a list of certain dates. Uh, so today is sept- August, September 18th, and fate is with you is uh, what a dream today. And I, I, it's not clear to me whether it's a dream tonight or the dream that you wake up in the morning. Well, that kind of specificity really doesn't matter as long as you know that forests mean your liver is having trouble. <laughs> it's, can you tell I think it's bullshit? Yeah, of course it's bullshit, but like this is a very big book. It's very old. Um, dreams during the first hours of sleep or during the times of digestion are without value. That one actually feels like it could be grounded in reality because, like I said, if you're dreaming early in the night, that's probably a sign that you're REM deprived anyway. Right. Dream of a person or a thing which we have recently heard or spoken of. Mm-hmm. So basically, because again, it's this hyper-associative, massive, multisensory hallucination. It's just pulling everything that's happened. Okay. Uh, another dream that's without value is a feverish dream due to pain, fright, to a book read, to something seen. Dreams resulting from the manner of sleeping, from the position of the sleeper. Uh, it might have been that teeth falling out is a dream you have when you're sleeping with your mouth open. Well, I once had a hypnagogic hallucination when we were staying. Yeah. We were on vacation and... I had a dream that you got up from your bed and you were rolling me up in my mattress like a taco and suffocating me. And I was paralyzed. And I was like, why are you doing this? Ew. Quit it. And I think it was because my face was buried in the pillow and I couldn't breathe. Definitely. Right. Yes. Your physical, like your, we dream that we're naked when we're cold. Oh. Okay, sure. So there's there's not always like a big emotional something or other yeah. outlining it. Sometimes I dream that I have to pee and that I'm walking around trying to find a place to pee. And it's because when I wake up, I have to pee. And you know pee. what? It's because yeah, you have, it's to, pee. I have to pee. Like, it's not a deep metaphor. It's just because my body. I have so to people pee. who are wondering about the hallucinations, I don't think we've talked about this in the past. There's two types of You don't of talk about hallucinations sort of... in the dream episodes that you did without me? I don't know. So just really quickly, there's uh, you can hallucinate when you're either transitioning from wake into sleep or from sleep into wake. Hypnagogic or hypnagogic hallucinations are a wobbling of all the neurological transitions that happen into sleep. These are most likely to be startling sounds, um, sensations of floating or falling, feeling there's someone in the room. Hypnopompic hallucinations are the ones from sleep into wakefulness backwards from that and i thought hypnopompic was going to sleep am i wrong no i could be wrong but this is what i have in my notes from when i was doing all the research on dreams a year or so ago okay well then it was a hypnopompic hallucination that i had yeah so hypnopompic hallucinations are usually an integration like remnants of your rem dreaming 
with the stuff that's going on in your sensory awareness. I looked right? it up. That makes perfect sense. Hypnagogic is falling asleep. Hypnopompic is waking up. So you're right. So you can only all of me questioning. Okay. Just me being wrong. Or we could keep it in. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Either way. Uh, so they're very common. Pretty much everybody will have one at some point in their lives. I had my first one when I was, I don't know, 15 or 16 years old. And I, I totally, I was in the process of waking up. I heard somebody coming up the stairs, walking into the room, sitting on the bed, felt them sitting on the bed. And I was paralyzed and couldn't open my eyes. Yeah. And I was spooked by it. And it's actually the reason why my very first ever psychology research paper for an undergraduate class was on sleep and dreaming. Wow. Yeah, the first time I had a, a hypnopompic hallucination, it was, I, I was sleeping, it was in the middle of grad school, of course, I was extremely stressed, extremely sleep deprived, and I was napping on the couch downstairs, and I dreamed there was somebody in the house, but I had already learned from you what they were, so I just went, oh, this is a hallucination, and I woke up. Yeah, and that's the evidence-based strategy. They're not associated with any sort of health issue. They are not a disorder in and of themselves. They're only problematic uh, when they freak you the fuck out. Yeah. They are more common if you're sleep-deprived or, like, hungover. Yeah. So alcohol and other drugs can interfere with sleep quality, which can interfere with your really complex cascade of neurological events that happens to get you into sleep and back out of mm -hmm. sleep. And if you are sleep-deprived, there's... Automat that is by definition an, an imbalance in your sleep process and falling asleep and waking up can be disrupted by that, which will be associated with yeah. hallucinations. So they're not inherently bad, but sometimes unfortunate circumstances Sometimes can they can be an common, indication yeah. that other things are out of whack. Okay, the reason I thought it was hypnopompic, because due to the nature of the kind of fictional reading I, fiction reading that I do, I'm familiar with the term psychopomp. That's a thing that ha that comes up in the kinds of reading that I do. A psychopomp is a, like a, a guide through your own psyche. And so I thought that pomp would mean the guide into the psyche, into the dream. But no, it apparently means guide into waking instead. Yes. My mnemonic device was backwards. There you go. Guide into waking. Yeah. Let me show you the way out. Yeah. And all you got to do is be, oh, this is a hallucination. And you wake up and you're fine. So the moral of the story is that, uh, no, it is not about like, universal symbols that will always mean everything it's like art it is what does it mean to you mm -hmm. when you think about a big tall building and you assume that you are the building what does it feel like to you your brain is trying to tell and you and if it's uncomfortable turn toward the discomfort and no you're not always like sometimes the answer just comes you're like this is clearly what this means and other times you spend 15 years trying to figure out why you're afraid of bugs <laughs> because they are objectively <laughs> fucking spooky some people love them yeah i don't judge those people <laughs> but, but they're I wrong do not understand yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not wrong no. they're just different <laughs> yeah i have a friend who's an i don't like birds either really really i'm a mammal person it doesn't matter none of this no. matters I wish I had a dream of mine that we could analyze to be like, let's go through the process. But uh, all I have is this vague sense that I've been dreaming a lot of large buildings where I am in a room and then I move from that to do something else. And I try to get back to that room and I can't get back to that room. Oh, and then when I say it out loud like that, <laughs> it's very obviously that like... If you leave a place that you consider to be your home base to pursue something that needs to be pursued, there is no such thing as returning to the place that you were before. You have inherently changed and the world has changed and you have to find a new place that is your home base. Oh, yeah. 
damn. So that's how that's how dream interpretation <laughs> works. Yeah. And you're really good at understanding like cues and signals from inside yourself. So that kind of thing comes really natural to you. It took me ages to be able to just like that sudden. But I have like a lot of these dreams and I've been having a whole lot of them lately. Like ev- like all my dreams are this like searching for the place mm-hmm. that I was mm-hmm. in. <laughs> and now when I say it out, like I'm like, oh, whereas before we did this episode, I was like, I don't know. I just remember about buildings a lot. I, yeah. I just didn't even try. Yeah. Well, and as soon as I did, I was like, that is a very clear representation of what's going on in my life these days. That, that like, we cannot, we have to find a new home. Stop looking for the place you were before. Yeah. Find a new place. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's also why I'm doing a lot of house hunting. Zillow trolling. Yeah. <laughs> Zillow is a real estate website yeah. for those who are. Maybe you under don't 40. actually literally need a new home. Maybe you just need to like come to some kind of comfort of the home that is yourself and your relationships yeah except that i think i need to find a home in i think you also have reasons that you need to move yeah i don't think it's being at home and maybe it is being at home in my body and my relationships but really i think it's being at home in a world of uh impending autocracy yeah maybe like the world is shifting out from under me and i can't go back there is no such thing as going back yeah. It is inherent to the fascist project to make us all long for a past that never existed. Mm-hmm. And it is the ultimate anti-fascist project to continue moving forward, to look toward a glorious, more equal, more just, more healthful future. Yeah. I do not ask my subconscious, my elephant, to tell me what to dream of. I ask my subconscious to show me something nice like let me dream about good stuff let me dream about hope let me dream about solutions let me dream about answers and lately what it's been giving me is searching for the room i lost oh i feel like i have just exposed a whole lot of my internal experience in that sentence so dream analysis is a tool that feminists can use as to help them survive the shit show that is 2020 and that's it you don't need to be afraid of them it's just your brain (laughs) and that's it for this episode of the feminist survival project you can follow us on the social medias at fsp 2020 and uh, until then thanks for listening man i wish i could write a book where i can just make some shit up (laughs) yeah yeah the Feminist Survival Project 2020 is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.